Yeah, it's called Conversations with Jeff, not Screaming Matches. Yeah, yeah I, 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 you and I do not agree on Calvinism. But look how nice we are to each other. I think it's going to really shock a lot of people, thrill a lot of people. A lot of people are going to have to do some soul searching. It's like, you know what? What are you doing? You're spending all your time trying to destroy another Christian because you don't understand what's going on when you should be out there winning people for Jesus. Right. Thank you for the job you're doing. Thanks for being willing to address these kind of issues. They're vital to the church. I feel sorry for what's coming your way, but God bless you, man. It's it's a good, healthy conversation, and, and let's keep growing together in the Lord. People won't change unless they hear the truth, though, and so we need to know the truth, uh, speak the truth, and then the last one I would say is that we need to stay in the truth uh, no matter what the consequences are. Okay, everybody, welcome to this week's episode of Conversations with Jeff. I'm really excited to have back again uh, Bob Picard back to the podcast. And welcome and glad we could sit down again. Oh, definitely. It's a it's a actually a privilege for me to sit down and, and get behind the, uh, the the phone here and and actually see you face to face and speak uh, 3000 miles apart about the things that are common between us. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, like and that, that's the thing, too, is it, it's it's fun doing this show. Also, because I actually get to talk face to face with people, because usually it's either we're just tweeting at each other, or text message, or email, or whatever it is. But it's nice to actually communicate face to face. Oh, definitely. There's only you know, you know, what is there, 160 characters in a tweet? So there's only so much you can do. So yeah, good. <laughs> yeah, which probably which probably contributes to a lot of the mass uh, Twitter hysteria. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. let's not go there though. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> So well, you know, since since we've had since the last time we had you on, you know, you were able to you you have a new podcast that you've got going. Um, what, what what was the name of the podcast, and kind of what do you what are you taking a look at with it with that? Well, it's called Invitation to Christ, and uh, it we used to have a, a weekly Saturday morning program on terrestrial radio here in in Massachusetts, and uh, it, it's it actually gets a little pricey to do that, and. And uh, much better to go out to the podcast world where you're able to, uh, to saturate through many different platforms, uh, and and it works out good. We tried. I try to cover different things. Try to have a variety of things, apologetics, uh, a sermon occasionally, et cetera, and everything. And try to go, you know, between 15 minutes and a half hour. I like to cover stuff like that kind of same stuff that you cover as well. A lot of social justice things happening in the church. Uh, the apostasy that's uh, apparently uh, upon us all over the place is just this great falling away from from uh, what used to be uh, fundamental Christianity is now turning to just craziness. So, so those are the kind of things I like to look at and and go from there. So, yeah. Well, and, I mean, uh, w- welcome to the podcasting world because I mean, it's it's <laughs> there, there's there's a lot going on, but it, but it's always fun seeing. People pop up with new shows, and you know it's always new information, different perspectives. It's always a good thing, right? Oh, yeah. It's it's hard to keep up with everything at the same time, so you tend to find your own little niche, uh, I guess. And uh, it's it's strange how how people are out there listening and uh, and hearing just from the the you know just from the the limited time I've been uh, using this uh, platform, uh, the Spreaker platform. It's amazing, just the, the the slow growth, just in the few weeks already, and the number of uh, downloaders and everything from all over the world. It's great, and uh, you just never know where somebody will be that needs to hear what you have to say. You know, and not. I, let me correct myself. Not what you have to say. I like to more think of what God's word has to say. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, you know, and and that and that's the thing that that's really cool about this is that. You know, we we all kind of have that that ability to you know put our put our ideas out there, and we're, you know we're talking about ideas and biblical truth, and you know discussing all these things. But you know, at the same time, we have no idea who's listening. In the sense of that could be the the one thing that they're like, oh, that clicks, that makes sense, that changed my mind on something. You know, and it's just you know we're just out here 
putting out ideas and putting out what we think is true. And it's, you know, and it's just, it's a totally a God thing. What happens after that? Right. Amen. You know, it, it happens all the time more, more frequently than you, you would think too. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, now the other cool thing, you know, and I've, and I've been excited to uh, have this, you know, have you a part of the GK to a certain degree. And, you know, you've written a couple of articles, um, you know, and you know, the, the last one I really enjoyed the, uh, the I believe it's called mission creep off the top mm-hmm. of my head. Um, you kind of explain kind of like what what the main premise of that was because it was it was a really good example of kind of what we're seeing happen in the church, right? Uh, well, you know something I I wish around here you're on the West Coast where you have something called uh, what is it Whataburger? Yeah, we, Whataburger. yeah we, we we got some Whataburgers out here. Yeah, and and that's I hear that's the most successful burger franchise in the country right now, and we don't have them over here in the East Coast, but. What I hear is the reason they're so good is because they specialize on two products. They have a hamburger and cheeseburger, mm-hmm. and they do it well. And it used to be the church used to used to specialize in the Word of God and the Gospel. And now it's into mission creep is it's taken on all kinds of other things. It's you're the be-all and end-all for every malady and plague that you can have in your life. So you now go to church to, to not hear, not to be nourished in the Word of God, Church is now a place where you can get, uh, and and all these things are 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 can be sub uh, sublets of the church. You know, where you can go and get the you know counseling for this and that, and you know it just goes crazy. So you have you have pastors and and churches delving into areas where they shouldn't be, at least publicly. You know, I, I think one of the uh, the oldest example is the the Ed Young's uh, Forty Days of Sex thing back like 10 years ago now that's hard to believe that's crazy that that was that long ago yeah it's like it feels like just just yesterday because everybody else is doing that same thing now it you know no matter what it is but if churches were to go back to just preaching the word of god and and sticking with with uh biblical theology i i think we'd have a much stronger church and a much stronger christianity as well but but the way it's going it's just it's just melding into this uh this business conglomeration, you know, out looking for uh, competition of who can who can serve you best, kind of like Burger King versus McDonald's, you know, it's Hillsong versus Bethel, and, and they're actually together, but, you know, but it's like this competition of who can who can entertain the most and who can have the best coffee, et cetera, yeah. that they charge for. Oh, come come to Milton, Massachusetts. We give away our coffee. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll take that any day. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Yeah. But it's just that, that's what mission creep is, and it's uh, it's it's a military term, you know, taken from you know when we used to send our Marines in to do one thing that was to kill the enemy. Now we go and they they feed the enemy and and house and clothe, which are all good things, but uh, but yet that's not the mission of the Marines. Just like the mission of the church isn't to do all these. Uh, and of course, we have to bring it up: uh, social justice, which has become the new, the new gospel, which cannot save. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, like I, I think, I think that that's kind of been, you know, the, this trend of it's the church is becoming so consumer driven, and mm-hmm. it's how how do, how do we get people to come to our church? And you know, and what what's ended up happening is church plants are now the new entrepreneurial thing to do. It's right. no, it's no longer an evangelistic thing. It's how how am I going to build my brand? How am I going to build? You know, build it to where everybody wants to come, and then what ends up happening is all these all these p- churches keep popping up. They're not actually going out and winning the loss for the most part. What they're doing is they're just stealing people from other churches because they have a more entertaining band, or they have better coffee, or they have you know daycare, or they have a better youth group, or whatever it is. It's it's a total different mindset. It's not how you grow the ch- the church in the sense of the true church. It's how you build a company, right? And 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 even that, it's uh, not necessarily even taken from other churches. They're they're taking in goats from from among the world and saying, "Look, here's here's what's missing in the church. We can provide this for you." And uh, that actually causes more division than it does unity, you know, because you're not you're not being nourished on the on the, the pure word of God. Yeah. Now, 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 what do you what do you say that like you know? Because because I feel like I remember growing up when when I was younger, and I would always hear families talking about how. Um, you know, it's like, well, we changed churches because this church had a better youth group or this church had a better, you know, worship band for the kids because we want our kids to be involved, you know, and, and things like that. 
And I think to a certain degree, that's kind of reinforcing to the younger generation that, well, it's about what I get out of church, as opposed to it being like a church family where it's mutually, you know, giving out and taking kind of a thing. Um, right. You know, how, how, do, how do we as the church deal with that? Or is that even anything that we can actually resolve? It's uh, I I don't think we can resolve it. We just have to be as Paul as Paul told Timothy, just to preach the word, be instant in season and out of season, and uh, continue that way and let God do the work, you know, in in people. And uh, yeah, it's as long as you have that attitude, you're not upset that church. You're not getting a thousand people like the the mega church down the street, and and you have forty people instead. I think that's actually more healthy to have like forty or forty five people. Yeah, uh, in, in a church, it, it it makes stronger, stronger Christians, and it's uh, something uh, that's able to be handled by by a pastor and everybody growing together. So I think it's it's beneficial in that way. Yeah, yeah, but, you know, and I, 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 I no, go ahead. No, I was going to say you know, we have a couple. You know, myself, I have six children. They're all grown now. And uh, we have another family that has seven children, and they have teenagers. And the teenagers are are going through that same thing. We, you know, our friends are cool. They they they, they go do all these other things. You know, church isn't cool. It's like well, I don't I don't really I can feel for them, but I'm not in it to be cool. I'm in it to be uh, to be truthful and uh, give what's needed rather than what's desired. You know, you know, as much as I love candy. I know I can't subsist on candy. I need to have I need to have milk and meat, yeah. you know, to grow on, and that's what kids need too. And I was a kid one time. I hated that, you know. <laughs> I, I I wanted a Hershey's bar, not not a hamburger, you yeah. know. And it's the same spiritually, especially with kids. And and but how how do you overcome that? You keep on keep on going, and eventually they will they will uh, respect and they'll 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 understand what's what what they're trying, what am I trying to say? They're, they'll understand what's being fed to them at another time. So yeah. So I, I don't lose too much heart, uh, heart over any of that stuff. I just try to stay consistent and, and uh, be there and, and be a shepherd to, yeah. to the flock. And I'm not a CEO. CEO. I'm not an entertainer. I'm, I'm not going to be found on the, the cover of Charisma magazine at all. If I do, I hope it will probably be scandalous i don't know <laughs> <laughs> look at this pharisee <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> well you know what was it what's interesting is you know I, you know i was ta- i've been talking to uh somebody somebody that i know that's uh that has recently planted a church and they, they're they're going with an interesting concept of they're not having a senior pastor they're just having a bunch of elders and they're all kind of taking you know turns. who you mean yeah, yeah. and yeah. but but the 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 fun thing that i that we've kind of talked about is what what do you do when the church grows too big, right? And I've I've always had the mentality of hypothetically if I was to ever plant a church and you know, it would be you have a church and then you grow to a certain point and then you and then you split, you know, in a good way and you right. and you have another local so like if you if you have let's say 100 people, it's like you could split into, into two churches of 50. That's way more manageable for a pastor yeah. to minister to the people as opposed to trying to grow to three thousand. You know right. what I mean? You can you can't, you're not walking through life with three thousand people. You're walking through life with fifty, maybe a hundred right. max. You know? Right. Yeah, you hit the you hit the nail right in the head with that, and uh, that's I think that's the most healthy way to go. I I, I personally think a max of a hundred people is is great. You know, there were there were churches that have been bigger, of course, and they they do well and everything, but. Once you get past that hundred point, and you know maybe it's ninety nine or you know seventy five or fifty for some places. Once you get past that point, it's no longer a no longer being the shepherd, no longer being uh, caring for the the sheep. It's it becomes just managing time management and everything. And uh, so I, I think it's it's healthier to do that when you start growing too much. I look forward to the day, you know, when when somebody says, "Hey, I." I believe the Lord is calling me to one day plant the church or pastor. I'm like, amen. Well, you know, I look forward to that opportunity for yeah. people to desire to teach the word of God and everything. Yeah. And uh, that's great. So I, I'm fully on board with that, uh, you know, 40, 50, 100 people. And uh, you can be effective in, in uh, teaching rather than just 
being on stage. Yeah. Well, so. you know, and, and, and I, and I think too, is like, once you, once you start growing and, and I, and I think like I've been, I've been in churches where, you know, it's like 200, 250 people. It's like, okay, cool. Like you still in general, you know, everybody and that sort mm-hmm. of thing. But then it's like once you kind of pass that four or five hundred, you know, person mark. Again, these are all like generalities, not like a hard line thing. But you you start relying so much on the senior pastor. Everything revolves around him, and where he becomes the face, and it becomes his church, and it becomes right, all this stuff. Right. And it's and and it's just at a certain point, it's like it's not how it's supposed to be. You know, like it's, it's supposed to be, we're, we're a family, different people have different giftings, but you're not the entertainer from, from the pulpit. Right. And that's what's happened now too. I, I don't know. I may have, I may have sent a tweet out recently about just my love for congregational singing. And I know this sounds like it's a different, different topic, but it really isn't. It's just, it's the same thing where, you know, get the hymn book out and congregational singing gets everybody together and involved, whereas, you know, the worship band, yes, it's okay. Sometimes the worship band is up there performing for the audience and not the body taking part in, in the worship. So I, I really, I really feel strongly about that, you know, about everybody being involved. And, uh, I love it. We're at a time now where, where that's happening. It's, uh, it's patience, but I've, I've been pastoring for now, what since 2011 in the, in the church that we're at now and now through through all that people are now gelling they're all they're growing together and finding their spots and people are are doing maintenance work etc and everything it's it's a it's a slow process sometimes but you know instead of putting out a survey card how are you valued you know a connection card you know what are your gifts and callings let's serve it's the wrong motivation your motivation has to be upon the Word of God and people uh, actually genuinely becoming involved. And uh, I think that works out so great in a, in a smaller church. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, and I think and I think the other side, too, is is a lot of times it starts it starts from the top down. It starts from mm-hmm. having the right mentality from the leadership, because, right. you know, like there there have been church like and I and again, I've been to mega churches. I've been in small churches. I've served in both, you know, that sort of thing. I mean, you know, even just comparing the make to two mega churches that I attended. One mega church, it was all the pastors came into the service, single file, suit and ties. They sat down on the front, and all they did is they talked to themselves. Like <laughs> it's like okay, and then there was a mental picture. Yeah, and then <laughs> yeah. there was a, there was another big church that we went that we went to where the the pastors would come in and they would literally go up and down the aisles talking to people, and they just sit right. and talk. It's like just e- even even if we're taking like two bit two mega churches approximately the same size, probably three to five thousand people, but one was one had a way different culture than the other, and, and it was clear because the, the the leadership was setting that expectation of we're going to talk to people, so you need to talk to people, you need to build these relationships, right, right. as opposed to the other, it was like. You're so standoffish. Everybody, make sure you have four feet in between you and the next person in the pew, right, and right. it's just a total different mentality. Yeah, it's it's almost puts a puts the uh, the clergy above the laity and everything. When New Testament model is really the the clergy, you know, the pastors aren't higher than the congregation. The pastors are the same level. There's no such thing as next level Christianity, et cetera. You know, yeah. it's all, everybody's the same in, in the body, just different offices, mm-hmm. different positions and gifts and everything, but yet everybody's equal under Christ. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now, now I wanted to ask you about a lot of this stuff dealing with like social justice, because, you know, you, you wrote on it some, you know, on the website, you all, you know, you're also talking about it in your podcast and that sort of thing. But when we're dealing with social, ju- social justice, how do you deal with okay, we should be serving people, we should be helping the poor, we should be doing that kind of stuff, but at the same time, we don't we don't want to encourage the social justice mentality of that's the purpose of the church. Where is that line, do you feel like, with, within like your local church on how do we promote doing some of this stuff without going full-on social justice warrior? Well, it, it's amazing how when people are, are, are allowed to grow, you know, in their own capacities and their own gifts and callings, how that naturally happens. I, I don't have any real clear 
line of demarcation how that's done but i just see people that naturally just it's an outflow from them is that a real word outflow yeah yeah, yeah. That, a, that, that works yeah. <laughs> yeah it's an outflow from them and they naturally they naturally serve or maybe i'll maybe i'll correct myself they supernaturally serve you know it, it's just part of part of them and uh it it all just kind of clicks together like that without having some sort of program for it so i i think when we get together on a sunday it's to it's to hear the word of god to be united in that in that way and then when you're outside of the walls of the church the other uh, however umpteen hours in the week except for the two or three or four hours you're in church then you're then you're free to to move about the world what's that a southwest airlines commercial Probably it sounds like it should be commercial. Yeah, free to free to move. Yeah, one of the uh, one of the uh, telephone companies, I think, Mm -hmm. uh, that they're free to be able to minister the way they've been gifted. You know, so I I think it works that way more on an individual basis than a corporate basis. Mm -hmm. Now, now, do do you feel do you feel like do you feel like it's difficult when with having a smaller church? to deal with, you know, helping your congregation or making sure that everybody's taken care of without the programs? Or do you feel like it just, if done right, it's just, it's taken care of? I think, I think it's taken care of when, when you stick with, with the purpose of the church and don't allow that mission creep to come in. And uh, when that mission creep comes in, then there's more of like an, more of a, uh, more law, I think, that you, there's more obligation to do those things. You know, and then it becomes more of a legalism than than it does uh, doing things out of out of grace or mercy. I don't know if that's. Yeah. I think I. I think you can see that what I'm saying there. It's, it's yeah, I mean, you know, it, it, it a natural know, it, outflow. Yeah, well, it it almost becomes like a like who whoever's in charge of that organization or that ministry or whatever it is like has to motivate enough people to come help serve and come do this and come you know. Uh, you know, clean up or help set up or whatever it is, and it becomes this, uh, you know, almost almost reinforcing this works based kind of right, mentality. Right. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Right. Yeah, where where I see you know, and like even even among the the body and among the members members of the body, you know, I could see this the natural helping you know uh, of one another, and that that tends to spread outside as well as as people get to know each other and stuff and uh, get to know their individual uh, gifts and talents they work together with so it's real neat to see that happen yeah yeah definitely you know you know the 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 few times that I've been involved with smaller churches it it just seemed like everything organically kind of happened as long as long as there was the solid bible teaching and people were growing in their faith um, you know, from there, it just, it just seemed like th- there was like a natural progression to want to help people, to want to do things, which you kind know? of, for all of us that are the anti-social justice crowd, that's, that's kind of like all that we're talking about is we're just saying it, right. sh- it shouldn't be like helping the poor shouldn't be the government's responsibility. It should be each of right. our individual responsibility. Right. So then when you think about it, a lot of these churches that are doing these programs and, you know, things like that, they're kind of reinforcing, well rely on us the big guys to take care of it right. instead of you just individually doing it right and then you then there's this obligation for people to be involved that then becomes uh overt law rather than grace and you have to have that balance you know mm-hmm. yeah and, uh, it's i call it sneaky legalism you know that you find in the the mega churches and the so, social justice churches yes you, oh yeah you're saved by grace but you need to do this, A, B, C, D, be in a community group, you do this, fill this. And, you know, it, there's just so many things that seem to be added to salvation. And those things are mostly good things, but but they, they really need to be out of, you said the word organic, which, by the way, uh, there are a lot of people are suddenly using that word organic, and they're using it intentionally. So mm-hmm. I just threw two buzzwords out out to you right there intentional yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you need to intentionally uh, be in a community in a group or intentionally feed the poor and everything and it's treated as law rather than through the grace of god yeah yeah and and, and i think that i think that i think in all reality some of the stuff that we're talking about is a, a real big problem in the church when because everybody's so focused on the programs and mm-hmm. I think, and I think that what's happening is is a couple different things. Is that 
is that people are getting burnout. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and also, too, is that I think to a certain degree, some people, they're not really coming to true saving faith. They're just coming, right. into the pro- coming into the church, fitting into the program, getting into the system and going. I mean, you know, we've seen uh, like Joshua Harris completely fall away from the faith. We've seen a handful of other people recently. They're completely falling away from the faith, and everybody's right. sitting here thinking, like, "Okay, well, they've you know they've been pastors, they've been leading big churches, they've been successful, all this kind of stuff. How could they walk away?" It's like, well, maybe the problem is that they were just in a system. They it it was it wasn't real. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and even even the aspect of of salvation, you know, salvation is totally a free gift from God. You you receive that gift, and that's salvation. And uh, just just look at the different ways that people are told they have to be saved. You need to surrender your life. You need to do this, and you need to join a group. I keep on saying that, yeah. <laughs> you know, but it seems to be part of salvation now, and not just something you do, you know, in the process of sanctification. So there's a lot of lot of uh, you know, you go to a, a have a message about your your finances and everything. Well, if you want your finances blessed, submit to God. Like, well, you didn't tell me the gospel that I could be forgiven of my sins and they won't be imputed to me any longer. But you've told me if I trust Jesus, my finances will be taken care of. That's a false gospel. And uh, I think that's where, especially the the uh, now the the people from Hillsong now that are leaving the faith. That one uh, couple days ago, I can't remember his name. Uh, but says he's left. He's he's an atheist now. I don't I don't know if he was ever part of the body of Christ. I don't know if he was ever a believer, but he's been under the social justice Marxist uh, uh, false gospel system for so long. It wasn't even Christianity that he believed. Yeah. Well, you know, and and the, and the the other side the other side of it too that I think is part of the problem is that when when the church is so focused on the programs and the systems and that sort of thing, you're not you're not focused on helping people to grow. You're focused right. on fitting them into this system to help you grow your organization and that sort right. of thing. Because I know that, and, and again, I forget I forget the guy's name. That's the Hillsong guy. But I but I remember reading th- this article that was explaining why he walked away. Right. And one of the things was he was talking about how nobody ever had answers to his questions. Right. Um, when I was a worship leader at, at another church. And this was when I was the worship leader at this other church. That was when I kind of came to the realization of why of why theology is so important because the church didn't put any emphasis on theology, and that was kind of like my my wake up call to all of this kind of stuff to help me to start studying and learning and you know all of that. Um, but I, you know there there was one there was one guy who was in high school at the time that um, I've kept in touch with him, you know, over the years, but he ended up leaving the faith after, you know, about a year or so after I left the church. And the thing that he said and that he told me was that he's like, the problem is, is that I kept going up to the pastors and asking them these questions that I had about salvation and about the exclusivity of Christ Mm -hmm. and about, you know, all these different kinds of things about miracles. And the pastor's response was always just, just have faith. Yeah. Trust, you know, what? Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. It's, it was this right. blind faith, and then we wonder why people walk away because they they don't actually understand what it is that they're supposed to believe in. And right. the one thing that he said, and I'm not trying to pat myself on the back or anything like that when I say this, but he's like, Jeff, you're the only person who's ever even tried to answer my questions. Right. It, that's that's sad. It is. Yeah, you're, you're totally right. And that's that's how that's how it is all over the country, all over the world. It's it's like that, you know. I I got to choose whether I got to go to Starbucks or Dunkin' Donuts, you know. From I got to choose whether I got to go to Hillsong or Bethel, which gives me more bang for the buck, and uh, you know, for my entertainment value, you know. And that's exactly what's going on. And the ones that are theologic, they're theological, they're bad theologic uh, theology, mm-hmm. you know. It's it's crazy, and so that's what people are getting fed fed with either nonsense or nothing. Yeah, I gotta yeah. write that one down. Nonsense or nothing. It sounds like, <laughs> sounds like sounds like a great uh, a great uh, book title. <laughs> yeah, there we go. There we go. Yeah, that's 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 it right there. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, you know, I think I think part part of the other problem is that for the most part, the guys that are preaching expositionally and you know focusing on biblical truth and theology 
I think a lot of times what's in, what ends up happening is they're going so far in that that they're only focusing on your intellectual right. knowledge. And so, right. so again, there's this happy medium of dealing with, you know, like you have, you have the charismatics that are so far, like the word of faith guys, right. they're so far on the emotional side. And then you've got the other guys that are so far on the intellectual side. It's like there's got to be a happy medium in there somewhere. Yeah. I tell them just to loosen their top top button in their in their shirt and they'll be a lot better off yeah. <laughs> you know it's true i i uh you know i can see i've been on both ends of that and and everything and you can see that the the need for that balance you know like i i think being a christian being a pastor it's it's uh serious but at the same time it's it's a blast as well you know i i love you know uh, having times like this and i love when when i've been when i've had been I can't even talk when I've been uh, when I've had somebody, you know, with me for years and suddenly they say, you know what? I really it really hit me, you know, this week. You know what? happened? I'm like, I get a thrill out of that, you know, out of just the people getting getting the grasp of of real what biblical salvation, what justification is all about. And uh, and and because of that, you can you can have sanctification and and have a have absolute joyous time you know in in the faith you know of course there's this setbacks here and there but for the most part you understand you you have you, you know the end so why not why not enjoy it yeah you know so that that, that, is, that is true yeah you know it, you know it, it, but i but i think i think too the 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 other criticism that i would have of the guys that are for the most part theologically accurate is i they're they're so focused on behavior and they're so mm. focused on the behavior modification, um, right. and and it ends up, you know, I can't tell you how many times, and these are coming from like well-respected leaders and you know followers of these well-respected leaders, where they're saying things like, "No Christian would ever do X, Y, or Z." And I'm sitting here thinking, there's plenty of examples in the Bible of Christians doing some pretty horrible <laughs> things. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, the, the key the key is how you respond to after you doing those horrific things. You know, right. but but it it just seems like you know again there's there's the systems uh you know set up within the church. There's the program set up within the church, but there's there's also this legalistic system mm-hmm. set up in the church, which I think is is equally or even more so dangerous. Well, they're they're two ends of the they're two sides of the same coin. You know, you you have the one end, you have the old, you know picture the old time independent fundamental baptists that uh if your if your hair is touching your ear you know you're backslidden or or if you're a woman your dress is is three inches below your knee you know that's that's horrible then you have the other end you have the seeker sensitive end that just adds other things you know his 10 steps you need to do to get right with god you know they're both the same same thing in actuality when when the reality is is all those things the legalists have issues over is you have in Christian liberty you have liberty to do those things you know you get, uh, you have you have liberty to listen to rock and roll music you know but there are people out there saying oh no it's of the devil you have liberty you don't have to listen to it it's not banned I haven't found it yet in the Bible yet thou shalt not listen to X, Y, Z, or whatever, you know, right. and you have that liberty to do that. It's how, it's how you use that liberty, you know, you know, so that's, that's what the difference I think is. And, uh, you know, I could never get up and, and, uh, say stuff like that from the pulpit that you're going to hell if you listen to something or, uh, or, or something like that. Yeah. Like, well, now, now, as a pastor, and again, because I'm, I'm not a pastor or anything, but as a pastor, is it difficult dealing with issues within your church of dealing with, uh, like, Christian liberty? Because that's a question that I, that I always kind of, you know, have is, you know, because different people end up being convicted of different things. And then how do, exactly. how do, we, how do we weigh those waters? Well, we can't, we can't address each and every one of those different things. I think that's what the secret sensitive church tries to do. And then they have 30 different things they're trying to deal with at the same time when you really what you have to do is is focus in on on what the word of god says so i know right i know there's people you know that i know that have a different view on on drinking than i do you know i i personally i don't drink i think a christian ought not drink but i know christians that have a glass of wine here and there and uh, they have the liberty to do so you know i i don't believe the drinking of wine 
is prohibited in in the Bible. Drunkenness is though. So you know, I I can't I can't address those in that way. Oh, I can't say, well, go ahead and go go out and get blasted. You should have a couple of glasses of wine. I can't do that. And I also, and I also, I don't think I can say, you know, don't ever drink wine. You know, Jesus made wine. It was real wine that he made. You know, yeah. you know. So I'm going to hear from some people about that. I know that. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, but those, that, that's all in, in liberty. You know, don't use your, your liberty as a cloak of of uh, uh, a bondage. Mm-hmm. You know. Well, you know, I, I, another 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 thing that typically gets brought up as an argument from the more legalistic side would be you you don't want to be a stumbling block to somebody else. So basically, right. you almost have to go, which, which I totally get. But at the same time, there's also this mentality of you have to go with whatever the lowest the lowest common denominator is and then you you can't ever do anything for fear that they'll that they'll have a problem with it how, how do you how, how are we supposed to weigh those waters and because it, it gets tricky to a certain degree it, it's a tough one i i know people that would walk into a restaurant you're going into an establishment and they go in and say look you need to turn off your music or else i'm not eating here so I, I mean, if I were a restaurant owner, I'd say, well, don't eat here. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but these are Christian people that have that standard, but they're trying to put those standards on non-believers, you know, et cetera. So you, you just have to, you just have to go. That's why I like expository uh, teaching and preaching. You just take the issues as they come, and then, then when they come up in individuals, you can deal with it. You know, what do you think? I'm having this problem with this. I'd say, well, here's what I would do. I would take the high road. And that, you know, you know, so it, they're, they're difficult things, but I don't think there's a division. Uh, it, there's more of a division if you if you stray away from the word of God, you know, and let, let God's word do the talking. That's the main thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, and, and, and I think and I think now to a certain degree in the wider church, I think we're we're beginning to see this mentality from a lot of the leadership of it's almost like we have to have consensus on everything. And I think that that may be part of why we're kind of uh, progressing the way we are when it comes to like social justice and the cultural Marxism mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. Cause, cause you gotta, you gotta think you got organizations like the gospel coalition and they're all in lockstep together and right. they're, and they're all saying virtually the same thing, whether it's dealing with, you know, uh, you know, that uh, there's systemic oppression or there's income inequality or, you know, whatever it is, it seems like there's such a wide consensus and then and then they're demanding that everybody else agrees with them. And it's just it's just like at a certain point, it's kind of the same thing. It's it's like they're putting these standards on everybody else that are extra biblical and then right. demanding that everybody agrees with them. Right. It's like they get their marching orders from a central location in New York City in Redeemer Fellowship or whatever, you know, from Tim <laughs> Keller. He's, he's yeah. It's like the it's like the beck and call, you know, for the whole the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, uh, I don't know how they get on the same page like that, except for just you know constantly communicating that message, you know. Yeah. Well, you know, like I was I was even talking to somebody uh, that's that's involved in like politics and, you know, that sort of thing who's in the know on like how everything, you know, works, you know, in the political realm. And he's like, they literally get emails in the morning. So like when you're watching Fox News and you watch CNN, you watch everything and everybody's saying exactly the same thing. Right. Yeah. They just finished reading their morning briefing from the Democratic Party or whatever or whatever organization that they're subscribing to. And they're just copying what what they were told to say, and I and I guarantee you the exact same thing is happening with the Gospel Coalition. Is oh, Tim Keller their, uh, or his or his guys are just sending out their morning emails saying, "Hey guys, come on, we 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 all got to be in lockstep here." Right. Yeah, I I totally believe that, and they have their their one area, but then what happens? You you mentioned consensus. It's like they have uh, consensus among separate groups, and then each of those groups seems to get. You know they're marching orders from a higher group like the gospel coalition, and uh, even seemingly different uh, theologies and everything seem to have the same exact orders from someplace else. Like on the real extreme, secret sensitive end is the uh, Association of Related Churches. You know, 
which is supposed to be a loose conglomeration, but they all look exactly the same. You know, this all this relevance looks totally a, a, the same as the next person's relevance. Yeah, or irrelevance you, 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 you can, but you you can almost not even you know tell the difference between between a lot of these churches. I mean, they they right. they do the same branding, they do the same marketing, mm-hmm. they do the same programs, they dress the same way. It's it's again, right. it's it's like they're clones of each other. I happened to listen to a message today, and they used the same exact message as I heard, uh, the same exact example as I heard from a local person here just a couple months ago. You know, it was like, yeah, same thing. And it, and, and not, there's nothing really against that. I mean, I use quotes from people. I'll say, yeah, I heard so-and-so said this and everything, but they're, they're like treating it like this, this brand-new revelation. Yeah, I heard a, the, this guy was talking about... A, uh, I don't know what state they were in Indiana and they had a uh, uh, was on the basketball team and and uh, the other basketball team they were going to be going against uh, had like a seven foot seven guy. He had the same exact story about a guy from Kansas. It's like, all right, <laughs> same exact story. Were they teammates? They get, I don't know. <laughs> they were from different states and different times, you know. Yeah. But the exact same story that they ripped and read. Just like the old uh, news lines, you know, that, that we're talking about, they send out, you know, the daily email used to be, you know, UPI News would put out the rip and read that would go to the radio station. It came off, you just ripped it and read it, and that's what they're doing. They're just, they're just ripping off their sermons from other people and and uh, taking the same examples, and et cetera. Yeah, so it's, it, it's, it's biblical. It's one thing, you know. <laughs> yeah, but, 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 that, but, that, but, that's, but that's scary when, when you think about, a lot, a lot of these pastors aren't actually taking the time to study and prepare their own sermons. They're just right. looking for what what's going to sell, what's going to be popular, what's going to keep people coming back. You know, I remember I was at a I was at a pastors conference many years ago, and I was in a breakout session where they were talking about you know how to prepare a sermon, and they were showing like all the different you know guys on you know this this is what their sermon notes look like. This is how they prepare, and so they actually got like. Uh, like examples of this is John MacArthur's sermon notes. This is John Piper's sermon notes. So that we can, it, it was cool to see. Okay, look, this it's, is it's yeah, yeah. But but then you know some of the guys were talking about how they prepare, and one guy's like, "I write my sermon Saturday night." Yeah, and I'm just like, okay, okay, that's that sounds like you take it seriously. <laughs> um, but but there's just so much of it's it's like people are reading books or re or listening to at their favorite pastors just to come up with how to emulate them to a certain degree. Right. It's this like, and, ce- it's this celebrity mindset. I don't know. It's, yeah. it's weird. Yeah. And those, those celebrity pastors are marketing in those too, as well. You know, mm-hmm. buy my notes, buy my sermons, you know, yeah. you know, you know, real media or whatever it is. You can go on, on there and buy movie clips and everything to show. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, mean all- I, I know, I know. And I think, I think I may have said this last time you were, you were on, but I know Ed Young sold his, sermon preparation website for like multi-millions of dollars and it was a for-profit oh, yeah. business and right. you know and you know when so when i was the worship leader at, at that church which was kind of my wake-up call I, fa- I found like the pastor would you know always tell us spend so much time preparing these sermons and whatever it is he was buying them from ed young right. like it and it had all the powerpoint graphics it had all the notes already laid out and you just fill in your own little anecdotes in here and you know that's that's that was his sermon preparation was buying it for fifty bucks from Ed Young, right? And you print out the notes and hand them to everybody and fill in your all already preconceived uh, answers that aren't necessarily scriptural, but they'll go along with the the vision of mm-hmm. of the church or pastor. Yeah, you know, I had a, we recently have a, a couple that just moved from Brazil and uh, they actually. They actually grew up. He actually grew up in a similar type of church as, as we did when they came as as we have, and uh, when they came here, they went to uh, they didn't know where to go. They went to a church that's actually a, a seeker sensitive church that used to be a a latter rain church, but it still is. But they just hide that stuff nowadays. And uh, one of the first thing he says he says, "Can I have your, your sermon notes?" You know, I'm like, I said, "What do you mean by that? You mean like a." Uh, you know, five five points that they they put in a bulletin for you to fill out. He says, "Yeah, do you have those?" I says, "I says you're welcome to my notes. If you can read them, you can have them." <laughs> you know, <laughs> sad because they're my notes. I'm taking as I go through a week. I might add a, a part, you know, 
for an hour here, an hour there, and you know, I'll be out in the middle of playing ball or working or something like that, and I'll have something else to add, and eventually comes together. So, but everybody's a little different in that regard, you know. Mm-hmm. But that's what he was. That's what he was looking for was was that that uh, pre-filled out, uh, you know, blank lines to to put in the pastor's answer for you. Yeah. Yeah. Rick Warren type notes. Yeah. yeah. Well, that, 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 that's one of the reasons why, like, like even when I was, uh, when I was a leader in youth group and like when I would teach and that sort of thing, I, I would, I would intentionally not do like PowerPoint, like bullet points. Right. And right. a lot of it was because everybody is just trained to write down what you see up on the screen. Right. Yeah. I, I would, I would rather people take notes of what, what strikes them as, okay, this seems applicable or this seems I need to study this more or whatever it is, you know? Amen. The uh, yeah, I had something like that this, uh, last Sunday, I think it was, and I just uh, one of my my scripture references from was from Isaiah fifty two, and I I read you know I try to keep the context and everything, and somebody had a question about one of the other verses that I wasn't even intending to go through, so but that that hit them like wow, this verse you know what's what's it saying? So it it, it branched off that way, and that happened so often. Mm-hmm. And, you, and you're right. You you do get pre-programmed just to fill in the blanks. Yeah. You know, well, and, and it's and it's even interesting with the wrong looking, answers usually too. So yeah. Well, well, it's, it's, <laughs> so all, it's all, but it's also interesting. Like, well, like when my wife and I will will each be taking notes, and you know, so, you know, the things that hit me are completely different than, than right. the things that hit her, even though we both just listened to the exact same sermon. Right. So oh, that's true. Yeah, you know, as opposed as opposed to like you have five points and you just fill in the blank and everybody has the right. exact same word. You know, it's it's just a total different experience. Yeah, no, because you have to have everybody lock uh, lock and step going in the same direction, or else if anybody dares go against, you know, that that vision, they have to be cast out. Yeah, you know? which which also which also it that goes along with this whole mindset within the cultural Marxism and the social and the social <laughs> justice stuff is that what they're trying to do is they're trying to reinforce that. That everybody's the same. You're all. You're a part of the group. You're not an individual. Right. And you know. And that's even being reinforced in the church. Even, even though you know a lot of the people that are developing this stuff, they may not even have any idea of what they're doing. But that's the implications of what they're doing. Right. Well, yeah. Through these, uh, that's my. Uh, I think that's going to be my content of my my podcast. Will be be that same thing. You know, I I, I tweeted about. Uh, authentic you know what authentic means if it's subjective and what you feel i mean to me if i were to look at authentic i would say authentic would be as it lines up with god's word but authentic today means is it's all subjective rather than objective so an authentic religious experience isn't by what the bible says it's by how you feel that's why mysticism and all the social justice is on the rise because all these words have been redefined yeah, yeah. It's, it's 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 crazy seeing how it, how all of these words are being redefined. It's crazy. Right. Oh, I know. I'm afraid to say half the words now. You know. Yeah. I'll get triggered. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you know, like like even even um, let's even just say like expository preaching, right? Right. A lot of people, a lot of churches advertise that they do expository preaching. But what they mean by that is they do verse by verse, which is different than expository. You can do verse by verse topical. Mm-hmm. You know, you you just take a passage and then you read the passage and then you just talk about whatever you want to talk about with that. Right. right. That's not expository preaching. And no. and but churches advertise that they do expository because and they're just redefining what it is. Right. Yeah. It's all about redefining words. You know, all through all through culture, the church and society in general. Look at how much, look how much of our language has been redefined. You know, yeah, it, it's and it, words. God, God gave us words, and the words that He gave us are He meant what He said, and uh, we've taken and said, no, we can now interpret it differently. We can have that's what group, that's what group think comes in. A group can interpret, you know, the scripture the way they see it, rather than what it does actually say. So it all all blends together in that way. Yeah, yeah, and, and and I think the key too is you know if we are going to beat this whole battle on social justice, we need to make sure that we are defining our terms properly. And because right. I, because I think I think a lot of the disconnect that that we have between the anti-social justice guys and the pro-social justice guys is we start talking past each other because we're using the same words but we mean different things. 
And, you know, and so like, like, like even let's just take like racism, right? Racism is a real thing. There are racists out there. But but when we're talking about races, like the way you and I would talk about it, it's different than how like a social justice warrior would talk about right. it. And so I, I feel like we end up kind of like talking past each other because they'll because they'll talk about systemic you know racism or systemic oppression and and we're saying well that's that's not a real thing but then they're saying so you're not so you're saying that there's no such thing as racism and it's like no that's not what we're saying it's it's like it's this circle because that all the words and terminology is just getting redefined and being manipulated right and and again the the gospel if you if the church would stick with the gospel and stick with the word of god they would have a totally different approach to, to racism and stuff. You know, it's I wouldn't see any racism racism at all if, if that were the case. You know, yeah. I, I love it. Yeah, people from all over the all different backgrounds together as one in the church being Christians that clears all that up right there. Yeah. But when you're when you're focused outside rather than rather than on the cross, when you're focused on the on the uh, symptoms of the system. That's when all those things come up. Yeah. Well, you know, and when you, when you think about it, like the real solution is the gospel. Uh, you know, it, you know, I, I forget I forget what pastor it was that said it, but basically they're like Jesus is the answer to everything. You right. know, it doesn't doesn't matter what the issue is. I mean, you mm-hmm. know, e- even dealing with social justice, the we could fix social justice if enough people believed in in the true gospel. Right. You know, and, and, and that's the thing that I think that I think we're missing. I think we're getting distracted a lot by the symptoms of the problem, which would be the arguments against systemic oppression and, you know, racism and sexism and bigotry and all that kind of stuff. That's just symptoms of the problem. It's not the root right. issue. Right. And and they're, and they're scattering Christians away from the, the cross and, and and separating people into all these different areas and you know, clean water, race, all these different things. Whereas if people were focused on on the gospel and the cross of Christ, uh, those things would would be now not the uh, the goal. They they would be what's the word I'm looking for? They they would naturally be be part of the Christian's life to take care of those things. And yet you can have a united church and united on the cross. But as long as people are united on different things or separate in different things, you'll you won't have the cross and the gospel going through. Yes, yeah. the, the gospel is the thing that'll change people, and then they can go and bring those good works out. Yeah. Now, do you do you feel like a lo- like a lot of this is intentional because there is that mentality of of divide and conquer, and I feel like that's kind of what we're seeing happening within the church right now. Do you think do you feel like that's an intentional thing, or it's just a byproduct of just the craziness going on? The more I see it, I believe it's intentional. I believe there are forces, there are powers that want to see the the cross and the gospel disappear. And uh, fortunately, the Lord has an answer for that. He's coming again. Yeah. Whether they like it or not, you know, <laughs> I think that. I think they're trying to. I think there there are so there are forces that are trying to 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 stop Christianity, stop stop the Lord from returning. But they couldn't stop him from coming the first time. Uh, they couldn't stop him after he was born, and they're not going to stop him this time either. Yeah, that, that's true. You know, and, and even and even when you look when you look at like history, and you know, because because in all reality, with all this cultural Marxism and and everything that's happening. The push really is to have that one world religion that we see mm-hmm. in, in in Revelation. Like that's the goal is basically to have right. it to where everybody's the same, everybody's under the same ruling, the same currency, the same everything. Right? Open borders, all that kind of stuff. I mean, like when we look at history, we see that historically there was always a push to have world domination, whether it was the Roman Empire, Nazi Germany, mm-hmm. any any empire. They would always get close, and then God would always say, "Yeah, it's not time yet." We'll, we'll right. pull that back yet. We'll let you guys implode, right. and then you guys can try again, <laughs> kind of a thing. And I, and but I feel like this time it's a it's it's a different mentality in the sense of historically it was always they're going to conquer the world. This time they're trying to do it from within. From and within. I think yep. and I think that that's kind of what's what's scary about this time and why it's that much more important that the church gets this right is because this it's a totally different strategy that they're trying to employ here, but trying to get the same results. Oh, definitely. You're you're right about that. And you know, it's been a ploy for a while to you know, let's not try to 
take over the church. Let's join them. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the Rockefeller Foundation and the National National Council of Churches and World Council of Churches, that was their goal, is to is to, to change, to take the cross out of the church and replace it with works. And uh, for a while, it seemed to work. That's where a lot of our liberal churches came out of, you know. And unfortunately, a lot of the conservative churches are uh, not not overtly turning liberal but they are covertly because they're they're succumbing to the social justice the same platforms that they had yeah you know uh, i i have an, i was going to play an example you know tomorrow to be on friday of a of a clip of of td jakes simply asked you might remember it from uh he was asked in the huffington post a few years ago about about uh gay marriage and he says, oh, people can find their own kind of church to go to that. It's like, wow. I mean, that just hit me just a couple of days ago. I said, that's right there. That That is that is the goal of the social justice warriors and the goal of, of these uh, these these people is to, to get rid of the, the, the true church, the true gospel. And, yeah, make up your own. Have your own group. You can be homosexual and have your own church. You can be pro this, pro that. And all these different groups, and is that group thing? Yeah. You know? well, well, and also, and also too, but that's but that's also again a symptom of the problem of this entrepreneurial mindset within the mm-hmm. church is you're making a church in order to appeal to a certain specific type of right. people, right? Whether it's young, old, you know, in this instance, straight or gay or whatever it is, you're 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 doing this business strategy to try to entice these certain small select group of people in. I mean, when you look at the New Testament church, it was the local church. It right. it, it it was dictated by where you lived. It wasn't mm-hmm. by who you are, and that's right. what I think is missing right now. People will travel an hour to go to a church because it relates to them, as opposed to right. going to their local community and going through life right. with people. Right, because well, most of the, a lot of the local churches have have uh, also gotten away from gotten away from sound doctrine as well, mm-hmm. you know, and but yeah, making a central clearinghouse of you know come and get everything you need. It sounds a lot like the uh, like the schools and everything and the aftercare centers and everything they have for the kids. It's all the same model, you know. Mm-hmm. Let's let's let the government provide everything for you. Yeah, and then hey, let's have the church provide everything for you. Yep, the gym, tr- the tr- gym, daycare, yoga classes, mm-hmm. all this stuff that the the churches are now doing. It's it's out of there, out of the realm of what the Christian church is supposed to be. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, when you think about it, like it's the government is trying to replace God by mm-hmm. having us rely on the government, and then the church is taking that same strategy. Right. And instead of having us rely on God, we rely on the church. Right. That's a, what was it? Peter Drucker's three legged stool. Yeah. You know, government, church, and, and, uh, what was the other one? Entertainment? Uh, I, I think, I think so. Was it, was it? Yeah, I can't remember. It was, either, it was either education or entertainment. Yeah. I forget what it was. Yeah. Education, education, uh, politics, and the church. Mm-hmm. The three legged stool of society. Gotta get those all together. Yeah. So, same. Nothing new under the sun, definitely. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 it's packaged. Oh yeah, I mean, you know, and and that and again, that's the crazy thing about this is that this like I feel like past compromises we've seen in the church have been the, primarily theological ones. Mm-hmm. This is the one where people outside of the church are dictating to the church and changing what even what we believe. Like I and again, I I'm I'm a young guy, I'm 33 years old, so I haven't been around all that much, but like I have. I don't feel like I've seen something as explicit as this that's been directly influenced and directly caused by non-Christians within the church. Right. It's it's kind of a new thing in that regards. You know, you, it's it's just infiltration. Mm-hmm. You know, simple as can be. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. So so I so I think you know like when when we're when we're looking at all this kind of stuff, do you do you feel like the key the key to really beat this is just having more voices. Do you feel like it's just having more people that are preaching the word? Like what, what's going to be the key to, to beat this? Because I feel like they're spreading quickly. They're infiltrating almost every church. And 
our our response we have some people that are kind of taking a stand and you know you know you know explaining and that sort of thing but it's like for every one person that's popping up in response they've got 15 that are popping up on their on their side you know oh, how, yeah yeah how, how how do we as as the good guys deal with this i just have to stick to my guns and you know uh, literally maybe too. I don't know. <laughs> Stick to my guns and, uh, you know, look at, uh, look at reaching one person at a time, you know, in the church and solidifying what remains. And, uh, I don't know what's going to come, you know, I just can't wait for the Christ to return, you know, it's, yeah. uh, you know, but that's, that's another part that's missing too, is the prophecy, you know, not looking at prophecy, not looking at the uh, the return of Christ and being settled for your best life now, mm-hmm. you know, that mentality. So, and and it's true, there's, there's 15 to every one of uh, us, you know, see the us, us against them, and they're bankrolled too. They have uh, an endless supply of cash to buy property. You know, I saw that the uh, that when uh, Tom Littleton's last article with the, uh, all of the stuff there in Orlando, you know, mm-hmm. dealing with the uh, all the public reclamation and everything in the church being involved with Tim Keller and everything. It's like, it's crazy. They, they're using these public investment firms to buy property, to, to, to you know, purchase neighborhoods, literally, and all for the glory of God. Yeah. Not. Well, well you know? yeah. But, but when, <laughs> when you think about it, I mean, they are employing the strategy of Scientology. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's yeah. ex- that's exactly what Scientology does. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Amen. So I mean, I mean, you 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 look at you look at Clearwater. I mean, they basically bought that entire city, and right. and they run that thing. I mean, you know, basically Tim Keller and the Gospel Coalition and that whole crowd. That's essentially what what they're what they're doing. They're they're setting it up to where they have so much control. They'll have un unending funds because of properties because of you know investments because of all that kind of stuff it's it's nuts when you when you think about the kind of power that that, that they're having well you know i'm I'm looking forward to a literal kingdom that jesus christ is going to rule that tim keller won't be ruling the pope won't be ruling and uh, christ himself will rule, rule and reign and it'll be in Jerusalem and not in Clearwater. Yeah, that's, that, <laughs> I'm I'm totally happy about that one. <laughs> well, you know the the, uh, the Mormon Church is similar similar uh, vein. They they believe the Independence Missouri will be the new Jerusalem. You know, yeah. it's like yeah, Jerusalem means Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, but and again, they they use a very similar strategy to Scientology. <laughs> you know, they they buy properties. They've got. They've they've got unending resources too to a certain degree. Right. Yeah, and I think I, I think they have, you know, some, you know, really upper end uh investors like George Soros and you know, Rick Warren definitely works works along with George Soros. Mm-hmm. You know, through all of his foundations and everything. Yeah. So they're bankrolled and they're able to buy all this property. Yeah. It's you know it's nuts. <laughs> like you know, I'm yeah. look, I'm looking at the world and I'm just like I did. I didn't. I did. I've never thought that everything would be imploding this quickly. Oh, it's it's been just over the last few years, and well, well, maybe ten years. Like mm-hmm. we were just saying when we started, it was like, wow, that was ten years ago already. That what were we talking about? I don't remember. But yeah, ten. Yeah, it was. You know, just ten years have flown by like mm-hmm. that. Yeah, and that's really when when things started getting ramped up, and yeah. uh, you see it all over now. Right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's again, it's it's just nuts. Um, so, you know, as as we're kind of wrapping up and that sort of thing, but uh, how can people, you know, follow your podcast to kind of keep up on what you're talking about? And I highly recommend, you know, everybody checking out and subscribing and, and that sort of thing, because I know, you know, Bob, you keep, just keep putting out good content and good, good information. So keep that up, too. We'll, we'll try to as, as as we have the time and everything to do things. Uh everything yeah we can you can find us on on our church website it's god's grace uh, bc.org or com net all of those work or god's grace bible church.com net org whatever else that they all work as well and then the podcast can be found it's on spreaker.com if you look up invitation to christ podcast on spreaker and you can find it on iHeartRadio, soundcloud 
uh, Google, uh, Google podcasts. And, uh, I think it's on a couple other ones as well. They, they put it out there. So that can be found there and we're on Facebook as well. And, and, uh, Twitter, you know, all that, all that stuff. I can't even think of the, uh, yeah, GGBC 01527 on, on Twitter and, and, uh, it's all out there. We'll just, uh, you know, continue to just, uh, put out what we can and, and, uh, you know, the Lord's coming soon, you know, you know, I'm waiting for that shout, that yeah. trumpet sound. So, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, oh, well, well, again, thanks. Thanks for sitting down and doing this again. I, I really enjoy it. I really enjoy every time, every time we do this and we'll have to do it again sometime down the road. Oh, definitely. And I'll uh, have to have you sometime and, and, uh, come up with some questions for you to answer and stuff. And, and just have this convert. This is a good time. Here's another word uh, that's that's really misused now is conversation. We're having a conversation. Yeah. And uh, how many churches now, they don't have teaching and preaching. They have conversations. Yeah. Our conversation today, that means that the dialogue, they you know come into a consensus rather than teaching the yeah. truth of God's word. So, but we can have these conversations like this. Though. The conversation should be before and after church. <laughs> right. Amen. There we go. <laughs> yeah. So definitely. Well, thank thank you so much. We really appreciate really appreciate your friendship and support and, and all that kind of stuff. And you know, again, we'll, we'll do we'll do this again sometime. Well, yeah, definitely. And I'll, I'm going to have you sometime on the Invitation to Christ podcast too, as well. Sounds like a plan. I'm there. All right. Sounds okay. good. Okay. Thanks so much.